0: God knows you. God knows you. Like, he knows you <laughs> deeply. He knows what you struggle with. He knows your fears. He knows your successes. He knows your failures. He knows the times in your lives, life when you've been on mountaintop experiences, feeling close with him. He knows the experiences you've had of devastation. He knows you at your best, he knows you at your worst, and he knows everything about your best and your worst. God knows you. And he loves you. And he accepts you. He wants you to grow and mature. But he knows that that process happens In the midst of a relationship of love, where you're accepted. God accepts you, importantly, not because he thinks you are a particularly good person. It's not why he accepts you. If those were the grounds for God accepting us, we'd probably all be in a little bit of trouble. I know Cat would. (laughs) i'd probably be okay thank you lord i'm not a woman (laughs) that is another jewish prayer by the way so don't throw stones just yet the tomatoes right there seriously is a jewish prayer that was common in jesus day thank you lord that i was born a man not a woman a jew not a greek free not a slave seriously Similar to the one I was talking about earlier with the man who finds himself to be quite awesome. So God loves us and he accepts us not because he thinks we are particularly good. We love our children for those of us that have them not because we think our children are particularly good. (laughs) And praise God that The love I received as a child was not because I was particularly good. God knows us. He knows you. He loves you. And he accepts you. I want to read from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We're in this series, I was talking with Darren a minute ago, I don't know how long it's going to go, maybe all the way into Advent, I'm not sure yet. (laughs) (laughs) And then maybe we'll just take an Advent break and go all the way to Easter. (laughs) We could do that, really, because it's kind of an important thing to talk about, and it is like... How are we Jesus' disciples? How do we live in light of the resurrection? How do we live going back and reflecting on everything that Jesus had to say and teach us? And we could probably just do that for the rest of our lives. Trying to grasp a little more of what Jesus taught. Not just to have it be here, but to have it change our hearts and our souls. To have it transform us. So we could probably do that for the rest of our lives. I think we should do that in some way for the rest of our lives. One of the things that Jesus is so focused on, was being gracious and non-judgmental. Being gracious and not judgmental is deeply tied to Jesus and to His way. People flocked to Jesus because He was gentle and kind and humble and non-judgmental. We love and respond to Jesus because he is so good to us. We are drawn to him because we can trust him. We trust him because he does not reject or discard us, despite our failings, our sin, or whatever word you want to use to describe that. I like today our roughness. We're kind of rough around the edges sometimes, and despite that, God accepts us. He loves us. Again, we love Jesus because he loves us. And he doesn't judge us or condemn us. You know, there's nothing in my experience in life, and I see this in other people's lives too, like kind of putting it all out there, putting your whole life out there, and being met still with love. Have you had those moments? I've asked you this probably before. Those moments when you're just all out there, your whole mess. It's all just out there. And you're thinking maybe somebody's going to be like, wow, you are horrible. And somebody's like, "Ah, oh, it's hard. Life is hard. Let's figure this out. Let me just be with you. Let me walk with you. Let me encourage you. Those are some transforming times. Those are some moments when, like, just light bulbs go on and somebody's just like, wow, really? Yeah, let's just work this out. It's okay. There's just simply nothing like putting it all out there. Or, as the woman who caught an adultery experience, somebody else putting it all out there for you. Right? Right? Because it's not always just us that puts it all out there willingly. Sometimes somebody else is like, hey, have you seen their dirty laundry? Oh my goodness, what a loser. Right? We've experienced that. I've experienced that. I don't know if you've experienced it, though, where somebody in that moment, like the woman caught in adultery, had somebody come to their defense. I don't know if you've experienced somebody coming to your defense when somebody's been putting all your dirty laundry out there. I see it happen on on Facebook every once in a while. I try and avoid Facebook for the most part right now, particularly. <laughs> don't ask me why. If you don't know why, and you don't know where you are. But, but every once in a while, you know, somebody just starts talking and somebody else in a comment down below is really mean and crude and rude and somebody else comes to their rescue. And it's like, yeah, that's good. That's nice. Of course, we think it's good and cool and nice when somebody stands up for somebody else. Hmm. Somebody else maybe recognizes some person's roughness and is still willing to defend them. As Jesus Disciples, we are required to learn that way. Because that's Jesus' way. We are required to learn that. I mean, it's not that we just are required to immediately do it perfectly. But we're required to learn to do this. To learn to defend people. To learn to help people. To learn to comfort people. To learn not to be an accuser, but to be a comforter. Or a defendant of others who are condemned. We are commanded do not judge. Do not judge is best understood as do not condemn, do not discard, do not deem unredeemable, do not reject. Or maybe just in real nice common vernacular, don't treat somebody like trash. Being judged, being treated like garbage, being treated like, like, like trash, as it's experienced by the one being judged, is about rejection. And rejection is quite possibly the most brutal thing It can happen to a human being. We've experienced rejection. We've experienced being judged. We've been experienced in our lives being treated like trash. But somehow, some way, for some reason, there are times when we still... Do it to others. We can name that it's wicked and it's horrible and it destroys our lives. But there's times when for some reason we still do it. We both do it by what we do and by what we say. By the words we use. Sometimes it's really direct. Well, that person's a loser. They're no good. Other times it's just in the way we say what we say, right? Which is maybe even worse. When people are trying to say something that sounds like it's nice, but you know it's really not intended to be nice. Oh, yeah. You're going to be real successful with that. Right? Oh, yeah. you're, You're trying to get your life together. Sure. Yeah. Good luck with that. Oh, you're trying to quit using drugs. Yeah. Well, maybe when you get to the point where you're really more serious about it, you can come around. I don't know about that good luck with that see you later we also do it by just simply ignoring the needs of others i can under i understand that it's really hard it's really hard sometimes when you don't know what to do to not ignore the need Sometimes we just are stuck in situations where we recognize there's a need that somebody has and we're trying not to judge them. We're trying not to kick them to the curb. We're trying not to treat them like trash. But we don't know what to do, so we don't do anything, which isn't really a whole lot better. It's a little bit better, probably. (coughs) Judged in this sense is what some are doing to the woman in Jesus' day that was caught in adultery. It's kind of a peculiar story, to be quite honest with you, isn't it? Where's it at? I've got it here somewhere. Just let me, can't read this already, but let me read this peculiar story. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. So can you picture that? He's in the temple. He's in Jerusalem. He's in the temple. He's going to teach people who are flocking around him. And he, he sat down to teach them, which is a little unlike what we do. I'm standing and I'm not, whatever. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, so obviously not everybody's there to learn, brought in a woman caught in adultery. Which is peculiar in its own right, because what in the world were they doing to know how to catch this woman in adultery, right? Apparently they knew where she was hanging out. Or, I don't know, that's really weird though, isn't it? How do you catch somebody in the act of adultery? Because that's what the literal text says. They caught her in the act of adultery. Wow, a bunch of perverts. I'm just just saying. Or hell-bent on trying to implicate Jesus and willing to use anybody as a tool to make that happen. So they brought this woman that they caught in adultery, in the act of adultery, and they made her stand before the group. A bit humiliating in its own right. And then they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Just let that sink in for just a second. I mean, that's not like just kind of pelt the person with a couple of rocks. That's a death penalty. By being pelted with rocks. Now, what do you say? The idea is that you gracious one who talks about the law, talks about your heavenly father, talks about the scriptures. I don't know if you, this God you talk about is so gracious because what are you going to do now? Are you going to uphold the law or are you going to let her go? It says they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger and we don't know what He wrote. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, apparently they're badgering him how to answer, Let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped and wrote on the ground, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her. It's just her and Jesus at this point. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Do not judge, or you too will be judged, Jesus says. Don't condemn people, or you too will be condemned. With the same measure you judge, you will be judged. Humans have a real problem of doing something, making God in their own image. they got a lot of problems doing all kinds of bad things. But one thing we do oftentimes is make God in our image. Right? Oh, God must be a lot like me. I like me. I'm, an, I'm awesome. I'll make God in my image. He must be like me. Rather than allow God to inform who we are, we think we can inform who God is. And interestingly enough, right here, God says, okay, <laughs> all right. If that's the way you want it, if you think I'm a rude, crude, angry, want-to-kill-people kind of God that wants to judge everybody, find reasons to exclude, not include, okay, that's what you'll get. (laughs) The measure you use to judge, the measure you use to condemn, The measure. Have you ever thought about the fact that there's a lot of times people are right? And you've probably heard me say this before, many of you. People are technically right. But the way they go about applying their being right makes them more wrong than if they would have just been wrong to begin with. I hear something a lot. Fortunately, not too much in this community. Well, the measure I use is scripture. Right? That sounds good at first. But it's based on a hermeneutic that won't stand up. Because, believe it or not, that's exactly what the guys were doing that brought the woman caught in adultery. They're like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not judging, I'm just telling the truth. I'm not judging, I'm just asking you how to apply the law of Moses. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. Leviticus 20, verse 10. But then of course, part of what Nathan is pointing out here, Anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Or these are all death penalty offenses. And this isn't an exhaustive list. Sacrificing to gods other than Yahweh. Worshipping Baal, false prophecy, blasphemy, Sabbath breaking, all sorts of different illicit sexual practices. Adultery with a married woman, marrying one's wife's mother. No, wait, marrying one's wife's, yes, marrying one's wife's mother. Bestiality. Prostitution by the daughter of a priest. Murder. Failing to submit to your parents. (laughs) See, some of these we can laugh about, right? Because we recognize that's absurd. Like, it really seems absurd. Like, there's something of truth. There's a kernel of truth there. But there's something crazy like, my goodness, I would be dead a hundred times over. A son who persists in disobeying his parents. But <laughs> Earth would not there would be no inhabitants. <laughs> it wouldn't go back to being formless and void. <laughs> Except for the last one, I guess, that was a better had a better arm than the other, right? <sighs> so It's hard to wrap our minds around sometimes. And it seems crazy to some. But that measure, even of Scripture, is not the measure that Jesus uses. Well, at least not in the way we think about it. I mean, despite the clear scriptural justification for stoning this woman caught in adultery he does not use it to justify it. Apparently, Jesus is not looking for a reason to reject, but rather, he is simply and freely including anyone who wants to be included despite what they've done, where they've been, how rough their edges are. Importantly, this does not mean that Jesus simply wants us to remain the way we are. That's not the expectation. We're His disciples, those who have come as they are. We are His learners. He wants us to mature. Partly, He wants us to mature in understanding where other people are and, under- and grow in an understanding of compassion, empathy, and mercy for people that are broken in our world. He wants us to mature. Jesus wants us to be free from sin that entangles us, from sin that does us harms, does us harm and does others harm. But importantly, not as an entrance requirement, but as just simply part of the process of those who have entered into this life-transforming, life-giving relationship with Jesus. There is a way to address our misbehaviors, to address our sin, to address our rough edges that is non-judgmental. We just aren't always good as the church at doing it that way. Contrary to some explanations of do not judge, correcting one another while not judging one another is both possible and necessary. Maybe I can point out the difference in this way. Jesus says one of these two things. You tell me which. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon yourself and learn from me. For I will give you rest For your souls, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Option one. Option two. You who are weary and heavy laden. You are weary and heavy laden because you're a sinner. You need to learn. If you learn, then you can come near to me. But if you don't, you're going to hell. Any guesses? Maybe option A? One, Jesus understands as, as, as he actually deals with some of the criticisms of Pharisees and other teachers in his day that people need to be close to him to be transformed. People need to be close to others in relationship with them, accepted just like they are before they will ever get better. Jesus says, it's the sick who need a doctor. It's kind of hard for a doctor to treat you if you don't have a relationship of some sort with your doctor. I understand why people sometimes want to hold others at arm's length. I understand how hard it can be to understand what goes on in somebody else's life. But when you see somebody else that's doing something that you don't think is right, understand that you will never understand why people do what they do until you get to know them. You will never understand why people do what they do until you get to know them. You might make some good guesses. Maybe some of those guesses will even be right. But not deeply right. And you will never get to know them unless you accept them. You don't get to intimately know somebody that you haven't accepted. You will never accept someone if you're too busy judging them. The day you decide to stop judging and get to know someone is the day that we realize how much more complex people's lives are than we think. And it's at that point, when we accept people just like they are, with whatever is going on in their lives, that we actually have the opportunity then to speak hope and transformation into their lives. Or whatever that looks like. It doesn't just have to be speaking. Maybe it's just walking. Maybe it's modeling. Maybe it's showing. I. <laughs> Myself included, there are so many people that have, this is where they've lived. And their experiences that bring them to the point they are now of being accepted first is what has brought them into the state of transformation that they currently are in. We need to learn to do this. We need to learn to do things like bless Sinners. I mean, because kind of the opposite of judging someone and condemning them is blessing them. Reminding them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Maybe teaching them that for the first time. Encouraging people. Spending time with people. Proclaiming to people God's love for them. We need to learn to do intimate interaction with souls, with blessing, and not cursing. The fact that we have to work on this means that we're in kind of good company. Jesus was teaching his disciples to not judge. He was teaching anybody who was willing to listen to him not to judge. He was doing it both with what he said and by what he did. That means that we need to hear it. We need to learn. We need to grow. And what really is profound to me is that even in the midst of failing and struggling to do that, Jesus works with us he works with us who are so slow on the uptake when it comes to not judging other people not condemning other people and it's not just it's not just that we aren't very good at not judging sometimes we're not very good at not sharing Because we're afraid that we will be judged. People are afraid to just lay it all out there. To be vulnerable, to be transparent. What's going on in your life? Or what has gone on in your life? That you're terrified. For anybody to find out. I'm not asking that you... I'm not asking that you say it right now. Why is it so hard to face it? Why is it so hard to get it out? Have you brought it before Jesus? As I said at the beginning of this message, he he knows you. And He accepts you, just like you are. He loves you. He wants to free you from the things that hold you down, that weigh you down, that burden you. I think maybe there's a relationship between why we aren't always good at not judging others and why we're not good at being transparent It's because we have some of those things way deep down inside of our souls that we haven't been willing to bring to the surface to let God heal, to name, to face, to confess. Maybe if we were better at doing that, maybe if we were in a place in our lives where we could become more transparent about the things that we've done or the things that we've thought, And recognize how deep God's love is for us, we would realize how deep God's love is for those who are doing whatever they're doing. A safe community is as the pastor of Gather Church what I desire to foster as much as anything. A place where people can share the deepest concerns of their lives, the deepest failures in their lives, and know that they will be met with love. That they might be met with the need to to grow, but that need to grow will never be We'll never have a contingency. The love is there regardless. The people then want you to be transformed, to grow, to become a more mature follower, disciple of Christ. Not as a means to their love and acceptance, but as a fruit of it. When I was finishing up where i wanted to end this message i was reminded of something i mentioned already in the in, in during communion but that i want to talk about briefly for a moment it's a teaching of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the person that was talking about this that i ran across today was talking about how Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it's amazing, he was an amazing man. He was such an egghead on one hand, uh, super intelligent theologian. But on the other hand, he was such an intimate, got it sort of guy. And he wrote a book called Life Together. And in Life Together, he talks about how when we are in relationship with one another, we have to remember always that it is never just two people. It is never just Kat and I. It is never just Dan and I. It's never just Holly and I. It's never just you and anybody else. Even if it's only two people that seem to be in the room at any given time. Jesus is always present when we are gathered. Jesus is always there with us. The one who says to us, don't judge. The one who says to us, come to me. When we are together, Jesus is there. And he calls us to treat one another with the love, respect, and dignity that he treats us with. It doesn't matter if it's Kat and I, or myself, and somebody that came into the cafe. That I've never met before, and who is struggling with addiction or dealing with homelessness or whatever, it does not matter. If I am with another, if you are with another, Jesus is with you. If that's true, and i entirely believe it to be true what happens when when the two are together and the one is condemning the other what does jesus do in that moment does he maybe does he maybe look down at the ground and get on his hands and knees and start scratching some words in the sand? What does Jesus do? Does he maybe just simply encourage us? It's not my way. Love, honor, and accept one another. Yeah, encourage one another to grow in maturity. But before all other things... Love each other. I don't care how you want to apply the scriptures. Without love, everything else falls apart. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, sometimes I'm just staggered by what seems in some people's minds and in my mind in the past it what well, seems like just reckless love, reckless acceptance. But on deeper consideration, I recognize that that's exactly what we need. We need a radical love, a deep acceptance, a crazy acceptance, a dangerous acceptance. We trust you, Holy Spirit, to be at, the work, at work in the lives of ourselves and others that we're in relationship with. And you simply call us to reflect your love by welcoming people wherever they are, whatever's going on in their lives, to make them feel loved and accepted. And in that context of true acceptance and true love, we can lovingly guide people. You can lovingly guide people by the power of your spirit in us. So we trust you, Holy Spirit, to be at work in the lives of people, to be at work in our own lives. Thank you you forgive us when we fail I know that it's serious business to not honor your father and mother just as it's serious business to not commit adultery but your business is even more serious in forgiving sinners and coming into a broken world and being a physician that heals us and restores us and gives us life so help us your church Help this community of people that call themselves Gather Church to lovingly embrace people, to see the dignity and worth in every human being. Father, none of us like to be rejected. Praise you that you accept us. I pray for those right now that just feel rejected, that they've felt way too much rejection and abandonment in their lives, being kicked to the curb. I pray that you would restore them pray that you would speak lovingly to them, Lord Jesus. I pray that they would be able to hear your voice of guiding in their lives, and that they would, they would heed it, listen to it. First and foremost, that we love one another, that we love you. Praise Jesus.